Hello everyone, uh, my name is Madai Zaldivar and I am here with the fabulous Kara Dake and Kara, thank you for joining us today on iGirl. Fabulous. And you know what, I looked at your LinkedIn page and it described you as a digital marketer and entrepreneur. Right. And I found both of those titles so amazing because they can, you know, it can, it can cover a wide array of things. So yeah. That's what I tried to do. I tried to be all-encompassing <laughs> so I can do a, lot right. of a, a little bit of a lot of things. Yeah. Um, but really, it's kind of been a lifestyle for me that I've worked through over time. Actually, I started working on Wall Street in New York. I saw that as well, and so, I thought of immediately the Wolf of Wall Street, so I was thinking of you being <laughs> this go-getter out there. And It's a little bit different than Street. what you can picture, mm -hmm. but there's still those elements, you know, and so I worked there for a couple of years, and okay. I kind of studied finance. And so that kind of was the direct route that I went through and worked there for two years mm -hmm. and realized that the lifestyle wasn't totally for me for long term. And then it was actually in, I think it was around 2008 and Kickstarter launched. Okay. Uh, if you remember the launch, of, like it was a while ago before all the crowdfunding sites kind of took out. And I remember, I distinctly remember the day, like sitting in my bed, it was a Saturday, you know, I had a day off and I'm like... I really want to do something out there. I want to get involved in this way. And actually, at the time, I had, I had forayed um, into working at Calvin Klein. Right. And you were an analyst and there. An analyst there. Okay. And so I had, you know, realized that I had a lot of these friends that worked in fashion, but none of them had business experience. So they had a lot of challenges trying to get off the ground. And so I said, well, I have this business experience. Why don't I bring in this kind of Kickstarter crowdfunding model and start a crowdfunding platform for fashion designers? Wow. So you were really thinking outside the box already. I guess so. <laughs> um, you know, just try to think about how to take your own right. skill set and make something useful and fun for your friends. And so that was my very first business idea. And um, actually, at the same time, I was going to NYU Business School in the part-time program. So I was working full-time, going to school part-time, and then had this business idea I was like, one thing needs to go, and right. I can't do all of this, and I was like, well, the job, of course. <laughs> right, and your yeah. heart wasn't, it sounded like your heart wasn't really in it anyhow right. at that point. And I, you know, I honestly, I, I really had no idea what I was doing. I, I didn't know anything about starting a website. I had written a few business plans in business school, but that was about it. So it was like literally starting from... Having a pretty solid business background, right. but that was about it. So kind of taking a huge leap Hugely. of faith in a way. Exactly. So I, um, so I ended up quitting my job, as I mentioned. But, of course, there's logistic things behind there that I like to share into how that could actually happen. Because I feel <laughs> often you hear these entrepreneurial stories. Right. People are like, oh, I just you know made this happen and I did this. And it's like, well, how did you pay your rent? Exactly, and that's what's so interesting because you when you know you hear the term entrepreneur nowadays, it's like, oh, that could be anything. Every you know, everybody can be an entrepreneur. So right. tell us a little bit about how that what, how that process works. worked for you. Okay, yeah. So um, at the time, I had an apartment in the Lower East Side in New York, mm -hmm. and I was renting it out on the weekends whenever I would go out of town or travel a lot. And I was using Roomarama as one service and also Airbnb, which a lot of you have Has it been around familiar. that long? It has been. Okay, I didn't even know that. I just got back into the States recently and yeah. I found this Airbnb. I'm like, this is amazing. Totally. So. Um, well, Roomarama is actually more in Asia. Okay. But then, you know, Airbnb, well, I mean, Roomarama started in New York too, but there's quite a few of them, but Airbnb is kind of the leading one. And so it was great for like part-time income when I would, you know, travel mm -hmm. and, and support other endeavors. Then I thought, well, what if I turn my place into a hotel, don't live there, live with friends, do the couch surfing thing, 
and then rent it out full time is that and I did the math and actually due to the location and the popularity of New York City and all of that I was almost able to replace my whole income. Wow, <laughs> that is pretty. Now at this point, had you quit your job already? Uh, I was in the process. In the process, all right. I, I had given my boss six weeks notice. Okay, that <laughs> gave me enough time to like logistically right. try to figure something out. Okay. Um, so I quit my job after I, you know, I transitioned to, into doing this full time. And my business partner at the time, him and I were best friends, and we were working on this okay. uh, crowdfunding idea together. He also quit his job, started renting his apartment full-time with Jeez. Airbnb. <laughs> and then him and I and my boyfriend okay. and my boyfriend's pit bull moved into <laughs> a one-bedroom apartment. That was when we were our live-work space. Wow. Um, yeah. And so, you know, we had all these big dreams. Our business plan continued to grow and grow and grow until it was this 80-page plan. And looking back, it's probably not the way to go. You, you kind of can start small and test your ideas before yeah. building this huge, massive plan. But, you know, you learn as you go. Um, but throughout this whole process, that business didn't succeed. But I continued to go to business school, mm -hmm. and I was studying, focusing on entrepreneurship and digital marketing. Right. And I started to gain a real strong interest in digital marketing myself. And, uh, you know, I learned through trial and error and teaching myself and having great workshops like Skillshare and all those other platforms where you can kind of just go online and learn or meet in small places. Um, and that helped me kind of shape my skill set where I was able to then go consult other companies. Wow. So I was gaining the expertise in, in the digital marketing online space while finishing school and then... Um, still brainstorming about my own ideas and finally graduated from school mm -hmm. and now my apartment is like going <laughs> strong as a hotel. All right. I've got hundreds of guests and actually funny enough I still have that apartment in New York. You still you still even though you've been out here in California you still kept it. Still and it's still a hotel. It. And it's you still, still have hotel. guests. <laughs> Lots of guests. Um, mostly all super positive and you know it's I've, I have had bed bugs, bed bugs once that I've had to deal with from over here, but other than that, it's been an amazing experience and allowed me to, to have all these entrepreneurial experiences. Well, I was just going to say, how amazing you probably at the time never thought, well, just turning my apartment into a hotel might give me that open, you know, space I need, exactly. ironically enough, to be able to pursue, you know, your ideas. It's so true. And I think, you know, Airbnb needs a lot of credit for, like, all of the opportunities they've given yeah. these entrepreneurs. I think there's a ton of stories out here. Like and I mine. never even thought of it. I just used it when I moved out here. I oh, didn't yeah. have a place yet, and I used it for about a week, and yeah. it, it was it was a great experience, but I never thought that someone would actually use that as a way to, you know, have some income to help them pursue their dreams. So that's right. pretty awesome. Yeah. Amazing. So, Kara, tell us a little bit about Girls Raising. So Girls Raising is an event series and funding and acceleration platform that was started by Vanessa Dawson, okay. who is my girlfriend from New York. We met okay. when I was over there. And she started it, I think, about a year ago. Mm -hmm. And really the concept was based on seeing a need for more access for female entrepreneurs, particularly to female investors. Okay. You know, for those of us that are raising money, it it's becomes very clear when you go through that process that it's very one-sided. You know, there are quite a few female entrepreneurs coming up in our generation and previously also, but in the investor space, there are so few women and those that are, you know, are do exist, it's kind of challenging to connect them with them. So we are trying to make this kind of connection process and collaboration process easier. Um, and so it's 
our namely, well, namely what we do are these event series around okay. the country. So we have events in New York, Toronto, uh, Vancouver, San Francisco, and then now most recently in LA, which is where I'm the chapter lead. So we've had our first launch event. It was fantastic. We had um, female founders come and pitch to female investors and our panelists give them advice. And we really try to base this concept around it being very actionable. So it's not just a traditional networking event. It's actually, you know, a place where you can come get real advice meet investors and maybe actually have meetings with them after. Okay. And then run you through our networks where we can connect you with additional events. So can you kind of give like a breakdown of what an event, what happens? Like let's yeah. say you, someone that's never been, is walking, I'm walking into the event tomorrow. What can I expect? Okay. Um, so our first event that we had, which I mentioned, mm-hmm. was amazing. We had like 80 attendees, super high energy when you came in. Awesome. People are, you know, looking good, feeling good. They're like, yes, this, this is a place for me. You know, finally the space exists. And I would say we definitely slant on the, on the younger side. You know, even okay. the new girls raising. Um, because we realize there's definitely need from, from the very beginning when women have ideas to run them through this place where they can gain access to resources as well as mentors. So they come into the event. Um, there's about a half hour of networking and connecting. And I felt it, it was really strong in our first event. And then after that, we all sit down and we've got a panel, which consists of two female investors and then two female panelists okay. and or founders. And those founders are actually those that have been had quite a bit of success in the past. Um, so they can really give sound advice and kind of, again, act as a mentor. So then we have uh, four female founders that are in early stages. Maybe they have a prototype that they've worked on and they're looking to raise money. Okay. So they come up and they pitch their idea and we try to keep it into like a pretty con- pretty concise um, pitch-, pitch format. Okay. And then we go to the panel, which then gives them advice on that. We will integrate some Q&A with the audience mm-hmm. and then finally more networking at the end. And after the response at the end of our first event where people were so excited that, especially here in LA, it's, you know, Silicon Beach is definitely up and coming, but it's amazing to see how much there is out there in addition to the quality of entrepreneurs and investors that are here. That's so cool. And how, yeah. how did you get involved with this? So because of Vanessa right. being my friend from New York, mm-hmm. and we were met before she had actually started this, but she was coming out to LA quite a bit, going right. to some events and... You know, I have, um, because of the experience I mentioned in the digital space, and I also have my own startup now called Signal Yes, well, which you're going to get to. Yeah. You've done so much, so it's exciting <laughs> stuff. So, you know, I would say, I, like I mentioned, I've done um, a little bit of a lot of things, and so I can definitely speak this language. I've raised money from uh, from investors before, so I know what that process is like. Mm-hmm. I'm still ongoing with that process with my startup, and um, I think it was just... It was such an honor when she asked me to be the LA chapter lead. Now, do you feel it's important to give women more of the opportunity, not only on the entrepreneur side, but on the investor side as well? Is that one of the reasons that you feel passionate about it? To I, give women that opportunity to that's get some more out point. there? That's a really good point because I think that, you know, the challenges exist from an entrepreneur's perspective that, you know, a lot of us are familiar with. But on the flip side, from the investor perspective, I know it's equally as challenging to to make yourself known in that space. Right. You know, and an example I have last uh, last summer, I was raising money in Portland when I was mm-hmm. living there for Start Signify, my startup, 
And one of my one of my investor meetings was in a boardroom and there was twelve men and one female investor mm-hmm. and myself pitching, you know, and I just felt like, wow, that inequality right there, just in terms of numbers, is yeah. startling. So I know there's really awesome organizations coming up right. now. Um, actually, Elise Colleen, who was on our first panel, she's from Clearstone Ventures, and she started a new organization called Women in Venture, and that's a website based here in LA with a lot of really great female VCs trying to put light into that world as well. It's just amazing for as much as you think women have come up, you know, on yeah. and up, there's still areas where women are still maybe not struggling necessarily, but still, you know, trying to get into the arena and to be a fair player. So let's talk a little bit about Scandal Coactive. Yeah. And what is it? What do you do for them? <laughs> so Scandal is a, a coactive, which means acting together. Okay. And it was started by my friend Melissa Gatto, who's based here in Venice. And she is a PR genius. And I'm her marketing uh, partner. And so we've started this together. It's really her company. But we work with a lot of really great lifestyle and digital entertainment tech companies. Help them build their brands from the ground up. And just help them blow up their company. I read the, <laughs> I think it's like the little quote for the company that says, we live the life of yeah. our clients, something along the line. And I thought that was so cool. I was like, I love that. Yeah. Because it really just goes to show that you take in and you're, you know, you can, you can help these people and promote them and do whatever because you experienced it totally. yourself. So I like that. Well, and I think the best thing that we, I mean, anyone would imagine for, for the, your goal for your life is to be able to authentically live and breathe what you do and Mm -hmm. it doesn't feel like work and then you're right whether it's your own company or other people you're helping out and collaborating with you just have their best interest in mind because it aligns with yours and it's so much fun it's like love what you do and do what you love right right. (laughs) uh let's see i I have to ask you about the signify yeah it's so cool uh it's an app correct yeah all right and I, i tried to download it today and my itunes was not Cooperating with me, well, so I couldn't get it. It's not iTunes. Oh, like okay. ITunes. All right, there we go. That's yeah. why it said search not found. That's so. right. <laughs> so we are actually launching um, the ver- version two of the app okay. this fall here in LA. Okay. And so it's about following the signal on your okay. on your app, which will be on your map to find music and arts events going around you. Okay. So we're going to include a lot of electronic music events. Indie events, um, arts and culture, and tech events like girls raising. So, really, we're going to target like a you know millennial demographic that is really very multifaceted, likes to do a lot of different things, but still keeping it focused enough just on that niche demographic of what their interests are. Okay, and how do you go about getting like if someone like myself that wants to get the app? Like, how do I? Get it? Is it just online? Yeah, it's okay. in the app store. We're gonna do Apple okay. uh, iOS app first. Okay, woohoo! And then Android. Apple, <laughs> Apple users. I think, yeah, and okay. you know we're gonna be marketing it that because that's what I do now, and I have a little expertise. So <laughs> hopefully, we're gonna give all those people that are looking for something to do a great experience by with that. Now, tell us a little bit about what an accelerator is, mm-hmm. accelerator, and why startups should consider working with one. Well, I actually went through an accelerator myself with, okay. with Signify, and okay. what that is, it's generally a three-month program, okay. and they can be virtual or in-person, and more often than not, they're in-person, 
And there's several here in LA, in a lot of the major cities, um, they exist and actually all over the country and the world. Mm -hmm. And basically what they do is they help you with all the elements that it takes to getting through with and executing your startup and really blowing it up. So generally most want you to come with an idea and hopefully a working prototype. So okay. that might be, you know, just the very first version of your website. And is that what app. you did with Signify? Yes. Okay. And how did you get that first little spark of an idea for that? Well, you know, going back to Airbnb, uh-huh. as everything seems to yeah. be, you know, <laughs> help all roads lead off. to Airbnb people. <laughs> exactly. Um, but it was because I was having all these guests come and stay, mm-hmm. and that was in New York actually. But they would always ask me, "What should I do?" Well, I'm here. Ah, right. You know, and so there's a lot of different apps out there doing something yeah. similar to mm-hmm. what we're doing. But we're, again, keeping a focus on that specific demographic and keeping it more music-driven. That's amazing. Yeah. Now, you have a lot going on, obviously. (laughs) You're a busy girl. How do you you handle it all? How do you juggle it all? Well, Keep it all together and still manage to look amazing. (laughs) Well, you know, you like, you really, it's a a learned thing, I think. Because in the beginning, a couple years ago, especially living in New York City, it all got a little crazy, you know, and you put a lot of pressure on yourself. Mm -hmm. And at this time, I've kind of had to take a step back. And I know it sounds very spiritual, and I'm in L.A. now, but you kind of trust the universe. Yeah. And, you know, you don't force anything too hard. Exactly. If it's not working out, you can re-navigate. But, you know, logistically, there are some things that happen, and I think it's... um, even people say a balance, but it really is. It's like mm-hmm. I take care. I I try to do yoga every day. Yep. You know, try to meditate. Um, go out and see friends a lot. I think a lot of entrepreneurs close themselves off, and ah, I've done that in the past. Right. And that is not going to get you anywhere in the long mm-hmm. run. Um, and also try to be with other entrepreneurs that are doing or people that are driven and doing things too, right. that are in a positive way. So therefore, like you can be going out and hanging out. But you're also feeling like, oh, you know, this is cool. Let's brainstorm a little bit mm-hmm. here. So it's kind of like, again, that whole, like, you live and breathe what you love. And right. And we probably find yourself when you're surrounded by other people that are motivated and have a drive or an idea and a passion. It keeps your passion and your drive going exactly. as well. Yeah. So that's awesome. Now, what's the first thing a startup should think about when they're creating a plan for social media? Hmm. Okay, I think you're putting me on the spot. <laughs> this I actually really want to know this. I have no idea. So yeah, well, you know, depending on what you're trying to do, um, I think you you really need to figure out what your brand is. I, I okay. feel like having a strong brand before you go out and and do anything is the yeah. most important thing. And I think a lot of times people kind of don't take that as seriously as they should, especially. Today, as there's so much noise and activity, you really need to know what brand message uh, would align with the demographic or the target audience I'm trying to reach. So, you know, for us, being Signify, we're trying to reach a millennials, Mm -hmm. uh, very urban and active. Well, our logo really identifies with that demographic, I think. Okay. You know, it's kind of young and hip. But then you need to figure out where those people, where your customers are already going to be and really focus in on those social channels where they're already going to exist. And that doesn't mean you need to be everywhere. You know, for Signify, we're not going to be active on Pinterest because okay. that's more of, you know, a, more of a mom gen- demographic right. generation. Uh, we're very active on Instagram. We're okay. very active on Facebook. And I think keeping, like, an integrated message within that those platforms so it's very consistent is important. Okay. And then, you know, if you really want to 
blow up your app or whatever you're doing with trying to, with having to do the little work possible yourself and with a small budget as most of us have. Right. You should find those influencer type people that are going to be able to help you push out your message to their following. Right. So there's a lot of different ways you can do that, but you know if you're a musician and you want to put out your new album when you've got a very little budget, right? And now doing the you know doing due to the music industry being how it is, you kind of have to do a lot of your own marketing. Um, find those few people that are like super fans, okay, for you and reward them again that are way. actually really passionate about it. Exactly, to get the word out. Reward them, maybe to, you know have like a really cool private party for them or. Early access to the album or a free, you know, free album, something right. like that, and then you know, in turn, they will push that out to their followers. So you know, I wouldn't find a fan that maybe only has three followers, right? You know, so <laughs> someone that's got a really act, large following as well as active, meaning that they are, you know, they're engaging with your content already. Awesome! Oh, we we'll just have to find you. On Instagram and start following you. It's amazing. <laughs> well, because I have so many clients and projects, I'm not even that active myself. Because you're so busy. She's busy being an entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So you hear a lot of startup pitches, obviously. And what are some of the common components of a successful pitch? Also a good question. Um, I think really, and it's really important in the beginning to present what problem you're addressing. Because you might know your industry very well, uh, well you should, and you know your product really well, but your audience might not, and they might not even know that a problem exists, so you're addressing something that first they don't know anything about, and then we'll question why, why you even exist. Now, if you're a brand new type of product um, that's never been out there before, people might not know that there is even is it a problem, but then you need to show them how is it going to shape lives and why will people then be attracted to that. So addressing what the problem is, how you're going to solve it, letting people know, yes, you do have competitors. A lot of times people assume they don't, but right. you always do. Um, and then being really explicit with your marketing strategy because there's always challenges in building the product. And I'm having challenges right now building my app with developers there's financial challenges there's mm -hmm. technical challenges but then you might have built this amazing product but then it's kind of like okay now what do we do here right and that's really marketing and, and customer acquisition and putting it out into the public is the hardest challenge you'll ever run into right. you know so figure out those strategies before you go and build something now on the flip side of that what are some of the mistakes you see and what would you what can be done to fix them um, mistakes, let me think. I think sometimes you really, may, I, I see sometimes that people don't connect with the audience maybe mm -hmm. as well they could. Okay. And it depends on the audience. You know, if it's a girls racing event where there's 80 people in attendance, that's going to be a really broad audience. Yeah. But you might know that it's going to be a young dem female demographic. So when you're telling your story, make sure you give references that they're going to relate to. You know, and if you're pitching investors, well, there's 10 people in the boardroom that are 50 plus, you know, maybe scale down your idea, I mean, in a good way, right, right. but that, that's maybe more targeted to, to what they're, what they're familiar with. And then if they don't know, you know, if you realize it's maybe a social media driven app that they might not know a lot about, give examples that for other apps or something that is similar that they can relate to. Yeah, and it's just so. amazing because I wonder how many people are out there that get these great ideas but have no idea what to do with them. And then someone else comes along that might have the same idea but knows, figures out how to execute it and go after exactly. it. And that could be the difference of 
the money maker right there. It so, is. now what would you say for you? Is your we were talking about passion and doing what you love earlier. What's your driving passion? What gets you excited for every day? <laughs> um, you know, I feel like it's this. I would imagine a lot of entrepreneurs feel the same way. It's just this crazy, like wanting to experience the world in the, okay. in the most amazing way that you can. You know, so for the reason I did Signify, even though I see again, I saw that I found thought there was a need and um but it's so fun for me because this is what I love to do finding music events and then sharing that with others I couldn't really think of something else that would be more fun so and then just being involved in so many different projects and helping right. females along the way it's um an amazing combination that's taken hard work but I'm really happy where it's at and for all the women out there that may be watching this and then wonder, wow, how should I start a new business? What message would you have to, or advice would you have to give women out there that are in that position? Um, I would say, you know, really try to think about, uh, kind of do some inward focus and thinking about what's important to you. You know, I think that a lot of times especially with the whole tech boom and it all being about fundraising mm -hmm. and going out big, you know, it's like, is that really your number one goal? You know, you don't necessarily have to go raise a million dollars for a company. Just make sure that what you're doing and your focus aligns with maybe what your long-term values right, so are. So baby steps in a way. Baby like steps. One thing at a time because otherwise it can get a little overwhelming. Exactly. Like, and also, too, it's like if you want to have a very small business, lifestyle-style business, mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with that. You know, it's it's that's going to sustain you and probably be less risky than going and building, you know, the next Snapchat or something. Exactly. You know? So I think just really tuning into what your own goals and values are. And I, ha I read something about you that I loved, and it said uh, you were named just a year ago one of the top three women coming up in electronic music. Do you know what I'm talking about? Right. Do you love EDM? Is I it do. Like your I passion? Do. I definitely <laughs> spent some time in Brooklyn uh, underground raves yeah. back in the day. Um, yeah. But yeah, so actually that's why it signified the app has such a strong focus on finding electronic okay. music events. And that was an amazing award that they put out last year yeah. at the EDM Biz Conference. It was like Perry Farrell was there. And it's all these huge. Awesome, Have yeah. you been to Vegas lately? Like, yes. I was just, just there this weekend. And every yeah. club, yeah. it's all they want. It's yeah. the only, and it's amazing to me. Because I'm like, wow, things have changed. I mean, I've been out of the country for five years, but I'm like, right. gosh, things have changed. But in Asia, it's huge too. So yeah. it really, it's definitely not going anywhere, at least not for the, t at least for the time being. It's here to stay. Exactly. So. Well, they say it's the fastest growing music genre right now. It's really the millennials' music, and it's integrated with, you know, Britney Spears and everything else now. So, wow. And now, if anyone, how can we or anybody that's watching can learn more about girls raising? So we can, you can go to girlsraising.com, okay. um, sign up, and make sure you select your city that you're interested in. Okay. So we're growing we're rapidly to other cities as okay. well. Uh, follow us on social channels, Twitter and Facebook. Okay. And if you personally want to reach out to me, I'm Kara at girlsraising.com. Kara at girlsraising.com, guys. So make sure you got that. Well, Kara, thank you for thank joining you. us. Uh, awesome. You are amazing. <laughs> I, I wish you were just listening. I'm like, wow, that's so cool that you do so much and you've and actually and I was wondering how did you end up here from New York how did you do the transition how and was that really tough for you like a tough transition you know I it was um I think any transition is tough especially you get a little older you know but I think that I was had experienced New York kind of to to the full degree right and I was ready to move to the you, west coast you felt closure when you left 
And how right. do you like how do you like the West Coast? Oh, I love it. <laughs> I'm the same. I came from Florida and never looked back. So. Yeah, especially yeah. Silicon Beach area. There isn't yeah. a more exciting place to be than right here. Awesome. Well, yeah. thank you again for joining us once again, guys. It's Kara at girlsraising.com. Best wishes with all your future endeavors. Thank You've you. done amazing already, and I'm sure it's only going to get better. Oh, so thanks, thanks for joining thanks us for here at iGirl. Bye. Bye.